welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour, and I am thrilled to tell you that on uh, Gary on Guns, we now have uh, Powderhorn. Uh, they are on board with us. They, uh, they're actually Powderhorn Guns and Archery, uh, and they're over on Paris Road, 1915 Paris Road. Uh, Jordan on board with us. Jordan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. It is a beautiful Saturday morning. It is, but Kelsey, uh, you look like you got hit in the face with a bag and... Oh, oh no, that's not Kelsey. Uh, that's Brian Mays. How's it going, Gary? Hey, it's going really well. You guys brought in... Oh, there is a revolver here that is worth... Oh, yeah. Um, I'm drooling. All right. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, so uh, we'll cover the firearms in the uh, second half of the program, the second hour. Uh, in the meantime, i got to start with the question I ask everybody... How are we doing for ammo? <laughs> it's just you have to bring up that hurt subject every week, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, it is getting very, very slightly, slightly better. So we're seeing more 308, more 556. That's pretty much, I don't know if I'd call it prevalent, but it's darn close to being around a lot now. Um, we're seeing more of the 9mm. So those very, very common uh, rounds are starting to come back where you can almost just go buy them. Of course, prices have gone up. 30% on average, but I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. Our prices have gone up by 30%. Yeah. Um, but the other calibers are still hard, man. As we're getting closer and closer, we see rifle seasons just around the corner. Um, we, we're still getting some rifle ammo, but it's it's not in the quantities we need, especially since last year we didn't really have any. So you've got you got kind of a backlog to clear up, and I'm a, I'm a little worried about that season, but we're seeing some stuff. We're, we're getting enough boxes we can hold to sell with the firearms and stuff like that. So we just we just keep hoping every day, and every week <laughs> we're starting to get a little more ammo. Well, nine, if you've got 9mm, I mean, that's probably the most popular round uh, out there. I can't... It, Am I wrong on that? Is there no? A, you're you're probably right, especially as far as handguns go. You know, but it, 22 caliber obviously sell a ton, ton, ton of those, and then nine millimeter, five, five, six are the ones that typically you see are, are the quicker sales. People buy more of them. They shoot more of them when they go shoot. So we're we're starting to get those. Good, 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 good. Uh, I am not an expert on archery. I'm not an expert on anything, but I'm especially not an expert on archery. Just curious, <laughs> any problems getting ammo for archery? <laughs> no, our bow bullets uh, were, are still plentiful for now. Last year it was. Last year they were having trouble with uh, carbon fiber. Um, or not The carbon, sorry, not fiber, but the carbon they make the arrows out of, they are having trouble getting that uh, from overseas. And uh, some of the little inserts and the little pieces of metal that go in them, they just they couldn't get them. So there was months and months and months that we went where we couldn't get that. This year they seem to have cotton up, and, and we've got plenty of a back. I say That's plenty it. of a backstop. We should be okay. It's interesting. But the, uh, my knowledge of carbon fiber is related mostly to automobiles. I'm, I'm probably more a car guy than I am a gun guy. Uh, and I know the strength uh, and the lightweight carbon fiber um, advantages uh, on cars. And I hadn't thought about it in terms of, uh, you know, putting it on the tip. Uh, Got to do something for balance, no? Yeah, it does a really good job. So the, the most of the modern errors are made out of carbon. Some of them have other things like stainless steel woven through them. Victory has a... a couple of arrows that are that way to give them rigidity strength uh but the whole re you know they used to be made out of steel aluminum uh metals and the problem with those would be if you it, you, you hit an animal or you missed your bag or went through your target a little bit hit a tree hit something uh, it would bend the arrow and 
you're done with that arrow. I mean, once it's got a little bit of a bent in it and it wobbles, you can't shoot anymore. But the carbon doesn't do that. It usually bounces back. So um, that's why we, we switched over to carbon. makes it lightweight, but they add weight to them. And they're, they're, they're a heck of an arrow now. Can't can't use it to shoot around corners, huh? <laughs> no, I, I'm just curious. Um, all right, we got a whole bunch of stories we need to cover, uh, including, and, and this is one of the reasons everybody's arming themselves, it's the lack of respect for law enforcement. Uh, and the mayor of Chicago, uh, who I refer to as Mayor Beetlejuice, because that's who she reminds me of, uh, her, her response to the death of Officer Ella French is going to make people just vomit. People are going to be really peeved when they hear this. Also, uh, a couple of uh, local law enforcement officers, uh, sheriff's deputies, were fired uh, recently in St. Louis. They are responsible for protecting and providing private security for Cori Bush. We'll talk about that. Uh, Mexico's lawsuit against gun uh, manufacturers here in the United States We'll get that in. Uh, but I want to start off talking about home defense. It, it, you know, it really is amazing how many different views, uh, different products, uh, different experts say are the best home defense weapons. Uh, and Jordan, since you've got a law enforcement background, et cetera, we're going to kind of rely on you. Uh, and of course, uh, Brian has uh, a great deal of uh, knowledge and background with firearms. So, I'm just curious. I'm going to go through a list. Uh, and first, I'm going to ask you this. Because it's always been my belief that I have a, a firearm at my nightstand, uh, and I use the gun to get to the rifle. Uh, and that a, a rifle is probably the best home defense weapon. Uh, with your background, Jordan, what do you think? That is the, you know, bee's knees, if you would, of of home defense. You can have yourself defended till you can get to wherever your rifle is because a pistol is a defensive weapon and a rifle is a is an offensive weapon. I mean, it's what they are made for. So in, in a perfect world, that's a, that's exactly what you got. And I guess in a perfect world, you're right next to your rifle. It would be the only step you could take. But, uh, yeah, that, that's typically the pinnacle of home defense. The bee's knees, really? <laughs> What next? No malarkey tour? Come on. I, I've got to get myself back into shape. Uh, school's starting again. i got to, I got to be careful with my kids now. Brian, <laughs> the bee's knees. I haven't heard that. I can't remember when I heard that. And what the hell does that mean, by the way? Does anybody know? It's, what? it's one of those that just means whatever you need it to mean, I guess, at the time. <laughs> like somebody, somebody thought, well, bees have knees? And, well, I don't know. Uh, but it is... Uh, it is uh, uh, used to be more frequently used, but it's kind of neat. Um, Brian, when we asked uh, then-Vice uh, President Biden uh, about uh, the best way to defend yourself at home, uh, he had a solution. If there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here, or walk out, put that double-barrel shotgun, and fire two blasts outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. It's harder to aim? Not harder to aim at all. Um, AR-15 is an excellent choice. Any, any carbine is an excellent choice uh, for home or any kind of defense. Uh, a shotgun is a good choice. There's nothing wrong with a shotgun for home defense as a secondary 
that you that you fight your way to get to in in cover and and uh, you know a place of security. Uh, but generally speaking, most people go with a carbine after a handgun. My uh, my wife has a, a carbine or not? No, she's got a Mossberg uh, sh- uh, shotgun, uh, and she is pretty slight of build. So we got uh, the one that's made for smaller people and and for uh, children, uh, and it fits because she's, you know. Not a big hulking guy, thank God, because <laughs> I wouldn't have married her. Um, but she uh, she she keeps that at the nightstand. Um, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but I like it. I feel pretty secure. But I went through a list, and uh, one page I went through that was recommending uh, uh, home defense weapons, it was all pistols. A couple of revolvers, a lot of semi-automatics, but they were all pistols. And I didn't think that was the best information. Uh, so I went to uh, geekprepper.com, and they start off with shotguns. Mossberg 500, Remington 870, Beretta 1310, uh, lightweight, low recoil, reliable, uh, and a variety of prices from uh, the Remington at 350 to the Mossberg at 410. I don't know how old these prices are. Um, but if you had your first choice, Jordan, of a home defense weapon, what would it be? Oh, I'm going to guess for a multitude of reasons, it would still be a handgun. Still be a handgun? Just because when you start taking things outside of the actual fight, uh, <clears throat> and you start thinking about things outside of the actual fight, storage, um, safety, uh, maneuverability, being able to go to the range, being able to keep it away from children, um, being able to clean it. All of that kind of stuff that starts to weigh in that you'd pro- I'd probably lean if I couldn't have anything else because of space, money, whatever it is, I'd probably end up with my handgun because it's it's more likely I could keep it in a closer proximity to wherever the heck I'm going to be. Best handgun? Oh, the one that you like to shoot. The one that you it, like to shoot. It is all about confidence in that in that firearm. It doesn't matter if it is a a high point or a Lorsen or an old Cobra or if it is the uh, the Wilson Combat, top of the line. It's whatever you are comfortable with shooting. Because man, when that time comes, it's it's a mental game as much as a physical game, and you really gotta really gotta be comfortable and not be thinking about how you handle your firearm. It's got to be something that you're 100 percent confident in. Speaking of confidence, is has High Point up their game at all? <laughs> no, they they pretty much have a game and have stuck to the the game plan. So they. <clears throat> People that uh, that have the high points, they they absolutely love them, and it is one of the better uh, two hundred dollar pistols you ever buy, as long as you remember <laughs> it's a two hundred dollar pistol. Oh, oh Lord! Uh, uh, for pistols, uh, Geek Prepper recommends uh, the Glock twenty two, six hour P twenty two thirty eight, Smith and Wesson MP three eighty, uh, which I I think is a, a terrific firearm. And uh, the Taurus Judge. Taurus is making some pretty nice firearms, and so is so is Caltech. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> we're really fond of, of of all of those. And the the Taurus firearms, the Judge is one that uh, I recently recommended to a friend. Uh, he lives out in the country, and he has um, a house that's on on pretty big acreage and it's surrounded by woods. And there's all kinds of things that come and go. And he wanted one one handgun that would be very versatile for his property use, and uh, that was my recommendation. Uh, he came in and got one. We went out to the range and shot it, and the whole family absolutely loves it. All right, we're up against the clock. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, Powderhorn is on board with us this morning. 
We're going to talk rifles, and we're going to talk practice, and we're going to talk ammo. We've got a lot on the ground, a lot on the table, actually. None of it's on the ground. I picked it all up and got it on the table. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.90. Powderhorn Guns and Archery. They are on the program with us this morning. They are at 1915 Paris Road, and uh, Jordan Hargrove <clears throat> is on board with us. So is Brian Mays. We're talking about home defense uh, and the best uh, home defense weapons. Uh, I was looking at uh, geekprepper.com, and uh, right along with you guys, uh, when it comes to rifles, uh, they're looking at the uh, the AR-style rifle. They think that's uh, the best home defense rifle you can have, contrary to what uh, President Biden uh, would suggest, uh, which is a shotgun to fire in the air. Um, and, and Biden says, oh, you don't need anything with 10 rounds. Well, what if there are two or three people busted into your house? Um, and that happens. I mean, that's not dancing on the head of a pin. It happens often when they uh, decide they're going to just bust down the door. Um, you'd need more than uh, five or six rounds, I would think. So those are some uh, some good suggestions. How are you guys doing on uh, on the AR style rifles? Are they blowing out the door like crazy? Not really. That slowed down about gosh, probably about five months ago. We started getting them back in stock, and they just they're kind of just sitting there. They're they're back to what a normal uh, would be. So we we can keep an AR for a while unless it's something really special. Um, you, you you might sit there for thirty days now, and we're seeing that in all the locations. And it's just it just slowed down. The black gun market just slowed down a little bit. Wow, and those ARs are such a versatile firearm. Uh, I mean, there's just no end to the stuff you can put on those things. Yeah, like the 1911s of the of the rifles, where there's a, a million different accessories, and and you can swap things out, and you can swap stuff out on those with yeah. minimal knowledge, pretty pretty quickly, pretty easily. And, uh, replace just about everything with some, something better looking. Speaking of 1911s, which is my favorite firearm, do you guys have any? Right now, I believe I've got two used ones. I haven't looked at them in a couple of days, so I could be wrong by now. But uh, those have been hard to get. Normally, we're a full-line Colt dealer. Um, so typically, we'd have, oh, 10 to 15 different 1911s plus the Wilson Combat 1911s um, in 45, 9mm, stuff like that. But right now, we, we've, just like everything else, those have been harder to get. So I think we had a Taurus and uh, maybe a Smith & Wesson 1911 Performance Center in there. But those, those might be gone. It, it's been a minute since I looked at them. They might be gone. You know what? Um, I'll I'll con we'll get together after the show because <clears throat> I'm I'm looking for a 1911. Um, I the the one I've got it doesn't actually fire 45 ACP. Uh, it it's the uh, uh, the uh, TCM 22. Yes, what you still want some ammo for? No, I got I found the ammo. Oh, wow, I found the ammo. The unicorn has been located. Yeah, I went right to the source. Uh, and I had them ship it to me, and uh, it, it's kind of a relief to know that I can get my hands on it uh, right from there. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, we'll talk about the 1911 after the show. In the meantime, we're talking about home defense, and this is probably Jordan Moore, uh, your milieu with your former law enforcement, but you're asleep, and you hear something, and you believe <clears throat> that somebody has... You know, somebody is breaking into your home. Which, by the way, doesn't happen... Burglaries generally happen during the day. 
that's when burglars figure everybody's at school and at work and the house is empty. Uh, so with my background in security, uh, I'll give you a couple of tips. Get an alarm. Definitely get a sign in your yard and on the doors and windows. Keep the bushes trimmed low so that if somebody is trying to hide behind the bushes uh, so that they have time to break in, they can be seen from the street. Uh, those are just a couple of things that you can do uh, to protect yourself. But if you're home, you're in bed in the middle of the night and you hear a noise, what's the first thing you do? <laughs> Wake up. And yeah, uh, that is, that's one of the hardest things to do is actually wake up from a dead sleep. Um, we've all had a phone call in the middle of the night or gotten up because you heard something in the middle of the night and or had a kid run in, you know, in the middle of the night, little kid run in to tell you they've had a bad dream. And it takes it, it takes a little bit of time to get your wits about you. And that is where so we usually I said a three to five steps to be able to get to my first firearm. Uh, it gives me a chance to start to wake up. So I need to do something. I need to manipulate a lock on a on a on a safe. Um, I need to actually take physical steps to where my firearm is. Something that gives me a little bit of time to start trying to process and gives other people time, like my wife coming back from the bathroom or my kids coming in because they've had a bad dream or anything like that. It gives me time to wake up and time for them to to say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, so that's, that's typically where I like it. Um, and then you need to have a plan, man. Um, you know, just like, uh, fire drills, we, we've had about once a year, we have an intruder drill in our house and we talk about what we're going to do. And it's changed over the years because when the kids were tiny, um, you know, it had to be scooped up and taken. We had a plan for my, my wife and she was armed and she went and took care of children. And then I proceeded down to, to clear the house. And, and then that, that has changed over time as the kids have gotten older and more capable and, and uh, as I've gotten older and, and maybe less capable, uh, but uh, we talk about it once a year and we have a plan of what's going to happen and where people are going to go and who's calling the police and how all that's going to work. Well, you know, if you're living by yourself, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, if it's just you and your spouse, uh, when you start bringing kids into it, uh, the way you the way you operate in an emergency like that can change because you want to make sure everybody that's in the house that should be in the house. Uh, is with you. Yes, sir. Uh, so we'll talk about the fatal funnel and all that coming up next. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Powderhorn. They are on board with us this morning on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 35 minutes after the hour, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. Brian Mays is on board. So is Jordan Hargrove. And uh, we're talking about home protection. We talked about uh, kinds of uh, types of firearms that you can have. Uh, now a couple of uh, tips on on uh, scenarios. Uh, you hear some noise in the middle of the night, uh, and it really is it, it's challenging because you, maybe you live by yourself, maybe it's just you and your spouse, maybe it's your kids. Uh, I would argue if you have children, uh, you know that really kind of complicates things. No, Jordan, it it, it, it does. It's just you have to think about it, and you know you're. You're, you change to securing them first, kind of like a fire you would. You know, you, you're gotta, you got you to get your kids. No matter what, you got to get your kids first and foremost. So that just changes how the 
plan goes and what you're willing to do. You know, me as a young guy and being the law enforcement back in the day, it was, well, I'm going to go down there and find out what's going on. And, you know, once you had a couple kids and you start thinking about it, you're like, that's not the, that's not what I need to do. I need to make sure nothing happens to the kids. So I should be static with the children until yeah. law enforcement gets there. Yeah, and, Brian, if, if Brian, it changes the whole thing. If I'm by myself uh, and I'm concerned that somebody's downstairs... I'm going to get my firearm. I'm going to secure myself someplace where I can keep my eye on the door, uh, which we call the fatal funnel. And I'm going to call law enforcement. Uh, and, and and I'm just going to park my carcass right there. That's the plan when you're by yourself is uh, is get to a place of security and uh, keep your eyes open, get a hold of law enforcement and wait for them to come and do what they do best. And uh, I, I don't know of anybody who recommends that you go try to find a fight. Uh, if even if somebody's in your house, you're better off to secure yourself and hold your ground, and just wait for law enforcement to show up and and help take care of the problem. But when you have kids and they're down the hall, you've got to get to them and protect them and your spouse and uh, and and then hold the ground from their position. Yeah. So now it changes. Instead of staying securely in one room, uh, you've got to figure out how to get everybody there. And I like uh, what Jordan said, that once a year they go over their plan, how they're going to handle this. Uh, and, you know, you want you want to take stock of who should be in the house, who is in the house. Uh, you want to know where they all are. Uh, preferably, you want them all behind you, uh, if you will, uh, and, and safe. What about... And, and this this is a, and I've told the story on the year before. It's 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 so embarrassing. But my uh, first wife and I uh, bought a house, and we were remodeling it, and we'd not been in the house very long. And in the middle of the night, we hear this crashing sound, and we think somebody's broken in. So we had a dog, and the dog was in the cage. I let the dog out because I want the dog to flush out who m might be downstairs. And I was not as well-informed, I think, as I am today. But I get to the landing, and my wife opens the door to the bedroom and calls the dog back. So now I go down and I clear the house. I find out it was just a piece of lumber that fell. And when I got back upstairs, I said, well, why did you call the dog back? She said, well, I didn't want the dog to get hurt. I thought, well, <laughs> we... We know where the priorities are here in this house. <laughs> was it ever a question? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly it was not. But uh, if you've got to clear a house and you're by yourself, that is really a challenge, uh, Jordan. It, it's it is very hard to do. It's very easy to do when you're training to do it, but when you've been through some of those scenarios and situations and you've done it with other people when you've cleared rooms and structures with other people you realize how difficult it is and how how hard it is even when you know you're you know i've cleared my house in training oh gosh i hundreds and hundreds of times now over the years um so i'm i pretty much know where everything's at i've already found my angles and my standoff points and things like that but still um really hard to do especially if you have multiple people inside yeah, because you can't watch your back, and you've got nobody to watch your back. Uh, so it's very, very difficult to, to clear by yourself. Most of us are amateurs. We haven't had the law enforcement background. The best thing to do if you can, if you can is to, uh, you know, corral everybody that's there that should be there and then call law enforcement. Try not to put yourself in a position to do that. 
A couple of tips if you do. I was talking to Scott Van Kirk earlier this week on the national show about this. And one of the things he recommended, which makes sense, and I hadn't even thought of that, is, you know, if you're in a dark, uh, you know, your home is dark, it's the middle of the night, and you know where the light switches are, and most of us do instinctively, we know where the light switches are. If you're going to have to clear a room, reach your hand around and flip the switch on. Um, that puts them in, in the light. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to think about that, and some guys like the, uh, we like the thought of having dark and using flashlights. But yeah, uh, most uh, well trained individuals will will just always just go ahead go ahead and turn that light on, um, <laughs> especially if someone's in the dark room. It's going to take them a, a second because that's unexpected stimulus, so it's going to take them a second to adjust, and it gives you that little bit of time. And man, the the half seconds and the seconds is they they do add up, and that's really what you're looking for. Yeah, so. Those are just some ideas. One more thing that I want to point out is that if you can uh, get to a firing range and if you're interested in a firearm, try it. Rent it. If you've got a friend that's got one you're interested in, borrow it. Uh, just to see how it feels in your hand. Just to see how well you handle it. Uh, once you find the most comfortable firearm, then practice, practice, practice. That. Go ahead. That's great advice. And, and test driving several different models, if you don't know what you're looking for, take the time and invest a little bit in the experience. Get with somebody that, that really is familiar with all the different brands, all the different benefits of the different types and styles, and experience all of them before you, uh, before you really have to make the plunge and, and buy your first one. And once you've bought it, invest the time in training and practice. Practice, practice, practice. Uh, we just got a question, and you can ask, by the way, you can call 800 529 5572 or 874 9390, but you can also send me a message. Go to GaryNolan.com uh, and you can send me a message. That's what Mike just did. He said, What's a good age to introduce your kids to marksmanship? <laughs> Man, y you almost have to take that on a case-by-case -case basis because you know your kid the best but i will say first time my daughter shot a live round she was three and she shot it out of my mp5 um and then <laughs> we we slowly went from there but she had exhibited the behavior and and everything was okay that i could sit there and do that my son he was about five somewhere in there the first time i had him shoot um and just we just kind of went from there and first you're not really talking about marksmanship i mean i didn't for the first gosh thousand rounds each kid shot it wasn't even a we didn't even start really side alignment and all that kind of stuff it was just how to stand how to uh how to hold the weapon accurately and we didn't shoot at targets because i didn't want them worrying about that and and overthinking things so um and then we, then we went into basic marksmanship and that's kind of where we're at with the kids now you know we've been on a 18 month hiatus because i can't get enough ammo to to do what we normally do but uh yeah i think that's a, a parental decision because you know, my daughter was three, my son was five, and and there was a distinct difference in behavior. That you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait just a little bit longer and uh, let him mature up a little bit, get to the point he's listening and not being jittery, and and uh, so we just made those decisions. I think. Uh, how, how old are you when you're in the fifth or sixth grade? Where what is that? Fifth age? Be about uh, 10. 10, 11, yeah. About ten or eleven. Uh, the first time I actually fired a weapon, I was at summer camp, and it was somewhere in the fifth or sixth grade. It was a twenty-two. It was a rifle. Uh, and I remember we went out to Red Raider camp, and we got to, you know, the different positions, prone, et cetera. Uh, and I just, I loved it right from the get-go. Um, but I think you're right. It's up to you as a parent to look at your child and think, are they mature enough? 
And I would think the boys would be harder. I, I, I'm not surprised that your son was two years older than your daughter when he picked up the right, you know, got to shoot. Yeah, that's just, you know, us boys are a little more rambunctious. Yeah. So, and you, you have to think about that and worry about that. Even when we're sitting out there with a 22 single shot rifle and there's one bullet out. You know, the rest of the bullets are in my pockets. There's one bullet out, and we're ta- we're taking our time. Still, you want it to be meaningful, so yeah, you, you wait till they're <laughs> a little less uh, uh, young boyish, and, and try to uh, try to make it make it a better experience. Yeah, rambunctious and firearms not a good combination. Uh, anyway, uh, if you just turn the radio on, we are uh, talking with Jordan Hargrove and Brian Mays, Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Uh, and I'm going to come back and find out uh, where they like to shoot at. And then we've got some terrific firearms they brought in studio. There's a revolver here that is drool-worthy. We'll kick all that around. Coming up on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It is 50-50 50 minutes after the hour. Powderhorn guns and ammo. Uh, Powderhorn guns and archery. And ammo. They, they got that, too. Uh, they're on board with us this morning. They are located... Uh, on Paris Road, 1915 Paris Road. Where do you guys go to shoot? Um, I'm just uh, curious if, uh, Brian, you, do you have a place that you like to shoot the most? The most recent place that I shot was out at Prairie Grove Shotting, uh, Shotgun Sports uh, this past Tuesday. And uh, took the wife and uh, my youngest out there and introduced him to Formal Trap. He shot a lot of shotgun just out on the farm with the clay pigeon thrower and you throw it up and take a shot but he wanted to see formal trap on a structured course and uh he's thinking about doing trap next year in uh ffa in ashland and so uh we went out there and spent uh spent a little bit and uh, had a great time it's prairie a, grove is a great place to go it's a remarkable uh, facility uh, I went out there uh, and uh, I, I hit. I broke the uh, pigeon every time. Every time it hit the ground, it broke. Um, it'd been nice if I could have hit one in the air, but I, I just, I didn't. Uh, Jordan, where do you go? Uh, typically, we we have our own little private range, so I typically go out there for if I'm doing um, something besides punching paper. Um, that's typically where I go when it's time to side in deer rifles and things like that. I've gone to Rocky Fork, always a little nerve-wracking out there. I know in recent history now they have staffed it, so there's actually people there. Um, so I have not been out there since they staffed it to see if it's a little less crazy during busy times uh, with, with guns and things being kind of everywhere. But uh, that typically I like to do it at a, at a private range. Yeah, having your own range. You and I have got to get to be better friends uh, <laughs> now that I know you have your own range. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Uh, there is a, a reason for this demand for firearms. Uh, part of it is the China flu. That might have been part of what kicked it off. Uh, but I think a lot of the rioting in the streets that that went on last year really exacerbated that. Uh, and then subsequent to that was this attack on law enforcement. The, uh, it, it seems that across the country in, in uh, I would argue, left-leaning urban areas, they were really attacking law enforcement at every turn, not supporting the guys and gals in the street, um, offering or threatening to defund, and in many cases defunding law enforcement. Uh, diverting the the funds needed uh, to uh, to support them, uh, 
And I think a lot of people really were concerned about their own safety. And a lot of uh, a lot of states, including the state of Missouri, came up with things like their our Second Amendment Preservation Act. Uh, and the Democrats have gone after this. The administration has gone after this. And it's interesting. There is a piece at uh, Bearing Arms about who is supporting uh, the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And interestingly, uh, it is a lot of the minorities in the inner city that that are in favor of this. And so I think the Democrats may be doing themselves a, a real disservice. 16% of Democrats support it. Um, and, and minorities in particular are buying firearms left and right. Women are buying more firearms than ever before. Um, politically, I think it's a dangerous stand for them to continue going after firearms. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You think attacking just about anything the way they are, any standard of civilization is, is usually not a great idea. You you might you're going to alienate as many as you as you grab on the other side, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting to see. Like you said, it's interesting to see how that's playing out and who's who is for and who's against. And then of course you got to figure out their reasons for why why do they love it? Do they love the Second Amendment Preservation Act? Because some people have said, oh, it's going to make it so that anybody can get guns again because you know they're going to try to use it to say any federal. Uh, mandate for firearms is illegal and they're going to push it to that side of the argument or is it um, the fact that now they feel more comfortable they're not going to have what they legally have now taken away and so now they feel more comfortable with it and it, it is interesting to see all those uh, sound bites play out brian among non-whites in general uh the support is really strong there are 48 percent uh support the law as opposed to 35 percent who oppose it 17 percent who have no opinion uh, young voters, that's where the anti-Second Amendment groups have been putting their focus since Parkland. Uh, well, it ain't working too well. Among 18 to 29-year-olds, 60% approve of Missouri's uh, 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 Second Amendment Preservation Act, uh, and only 32% oppose it. Uh, I would argue that uh, they really need to quit picking on the Second Amendment, uh, and that politically this is... A mistake for them, and and this Brian, this happened to them before. Uh, the uh, Democrats went after firearms. Uh, I think it was during the uh, uh, Clinton years, and it cost them a ton of votes. Almost every time that they've that they've tried to attack the Second Amendment, it's it's never quite worked out the way that they wanted to. Um, when they had the uh, oh the AR-15 ban in the nineties. And it was supposed to dramatically reduce crime. And they, they banned all of these specific weapons based on these characteristics that they look like. And it sunsetted after 10 years. And the 10-year experience was that the ban had almost no effect at all. And when the ban expired and all those guns became available again, well, there wasn't this huge uptick in anything. Uh, so the, the ban that they tried to put in place really was ineffective. And not to mention the fact that manufacturers found ways to, to wiggle around it and, and produce firearms that were similar to the banned guns, but just a little bit different. Yeah, if they would say you can't have a grip uh, here, they would put the grip someplace else. Uh, they would just move things around, and it was the same firearm, the same capacity, the same characteristics, uh, just cosmetically a little bit different. Uh, and, and the whole definition of uh, assault weapon is is pathetic. Anything 
Anything I assault you with is an assault weapon. I don't care if it's a brick, a pen, or a firearm. Uh, Careful, you're going to lose bricks here in a minute. Yeah, that's right. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if you've got a wheelbarrow, that would be like a semi-automatic uh, uh, assault <laughs> weapon. Wheelbarrow full of bricks. Uh, anyway, uh, none of that makes sense. Coming up in the next segment of the program, we're going to talk about some of the firearms that you brought into the studio today. You've got one uh, one revolver here that I just I'm dying to to play with, uh, but you got a, a few firearms here. We'll we'll go over that. Uh, also, uh, while we're talking about law enforcement and the disrespect being offered uh, by you know, major urban areas in Chicago, uh, what the mayor has done, uh, and I guess you guys have heard about Ella French, the police officer who was just uh, recently uh, murdered uh, while doing her job. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, wait till you hear what they're doing there. We'll talk about that all in the next hour with Powderhorns. With Powderhorn, uh, I don't know why I'm having a hard time, guns and archery on... Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The